The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. And we're back with number two of the top 25 under 25, and we're joined by none other than Marc Dumont from Montreal Canadiens. It says a lot saying that. I think it's great, Marc. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me on, guys. Although I noticed last year you got me on for the number one, and now I'm dropping. I'm dropping to number two in the podcast. That's well, we got you I'm on disappointed. For the whole list last year, right? So yeah, no, you are right. Yeah, actually, you know it's funny because I was um I was listening. I went back and I listened to it just to see what we were kind of saying there, and we were debating whether Kutkanemi or or um, uh, Suzuki would be number one this year. And and you know the guy that made the biggest push, even though he finished second in your vote, was the guy we're going to talk about and that's Cole Caulfield and and let's face it you you made an amazing interview with Cal Caulfield uh, last fall I think it was when, when he joined uh, um, college when he was going to, yeah, yeah Wisconsin yeah it was yeah. going into year two with Wisconsin yeah I had a you know what's funny guys he's he's you know he comes off as a little bit of like a hockey bro like most of these guys do um, he's a hockey nerd you know before we get into the specifics there are very few players in around the world and we can say he's an NHL player now but that study as much tape as Cole Caulfield and I think that speaks to his desire to want to be elite you know all he's ever been told his entire life is that this guy can't you can't compete you're too small you you depend on Hughes you only score in the power play you only score because the schedule is easy well I mean this guy has dominated at every level and it's not just because he has that elite talent yeah it is but he has a focus on improving himself so I uh, you know we had a tiny taste of Cole Caulfield and the great news is there's 20 years left, 20 years left to see what he can do in the NHL. Uh, uh, hopefully he doesn't get oversheeted. I was just yeah. going to say that. Yeah. Well, this, when's this podcast coming out? In, in two weeks time, more or less. So we're now. Okay. We know so the then answer. let's record two. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe the Habs let him walk. What a crazy decision. Oh my God. I can't believe the Habs match the offer sheet. What a crazy decision. All right, cool. We're done. You can move on from that. Yeah, no, it's 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 um, not not to drag that one out too long, but yeah, Cal Caulfield. Uh, I think they will everyone him expected him to- very quickly, and I'll tell you this right now: they're not gonna, you know, obviously when you you hit a certain level of talent, and I'm not trying to disparage Kutkinemi, but guys like Suzuki and Caulfield, um, it won't be a debate. And that's, I'm not trying to disparage Kutkinemi here; it's just that we know that they have that elite elite talent, which we haven't seen in Kutkinemi. So those guys trust me, will be signed up long before an offer sheet. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, hopefully no one's dragging this up in a couple of years and then dunking on me, but uh, I have no, no, no fear for those two guys whatsoever. Uh, they're, they're players that uh, you will go into negotiations early and they're players year, yeah, where you exactly. might drag like, I wouldn't be surprised. What, what are we on Suzuki? This is the last year of the ELC, right? Yeah. yeah. I have to, uh, you know, actually, you know, it's funny because I, I haven't been, I only heard about the Kutkinemi offer sheet like two days ago. Yeah, you, you seem in... to have been on a great vacation. 
oh, I just, I've just been, you know, I love my job and I'm not trying to disparage anything again. Um, so I'm going to do my usual preamble and caveat before I say anything. But when you live and breathe hockey, that's all you do all the time. And it's something that you love, but it turns into a job. It kind of loses its luster a little bit. So I can't spend all summer on Twitter um, arguing and not just arguing, but, you know, talking hockey, I need a break. So yeah, I just go camping. You know, I've seen links this summer. I've seen river otters, uh, you know, this summer I've seen bear, I've seen moose. I've, I've, you know, there was a family of links in one of the spots that I went for a week. I had no internet either, which was amazing. It was just me, a campfire, a lot of bourbon. Um, I sprained my ankle literally the first day as I was climbing up the hill. But uh, I think the key here is you need to disconnect once in a while. And that's kind of what I did this summer. I just need to get away from hockey because there's so much like hockey is so important. And, and we saw the healing power of it last summer, especially during the Canadians playoff runs, like the, the, the smiles returned to Montreal, but I'm going to follow Ken Dryden's advice and take a break in the summers from here on in. And that way I will renew my love with it. Like it's starting. Don't forget guys. I went with the athletic and when they dumped me unceremoniously, and then I jumped in with the Canes, it's been two years essentially that I didn't have a break. Right. So I decided, fuck this. I'm going to go fish and hunt and just kind of talk to myself. You know what I mean? Give my brain a minute to think and, and, and observe and, and kind of figure out where I want to go here next. So like, I love my job with the Canadians, but I'm loving my summer on the lake. So yeah. What, so I just found about Miami two days ago, essentially. Sorry. What was that Anton? I was just going to ask, what did you hunt? Well, there's right now, um, in season is deer. So we're just going to leave it at that. Uh, yeah. but earlier bear just finished bear hunting, just finished. So we, uh, we tagged a couple bears and now wow. before anyone gets upset, um, there are too many bears in Canada right now. The government is encouraging us to hunt them. Uh, so that's just kind of called a cull. And this is all agreed upon by environmental experts uh, that there are too many deer and too many bear right now. And those are, that's exactly what I hunted. I would never hunt the lynx um, because I, I'd get hunted before he would hunt me. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I took out, I got, you know, a nice freezer full of meat right now. All right. Um, dinner at Mark's tomorrow, right? Yeah, for some bear. And actually I gave most of my bear. I'll tell you something right now, guys. Um, We, uh, it's mostly black bear here. Right. Yeah. And, um, it, it's not good. Like, like I was going to say there, there can't be a much fat on a black bear. Like, well, I mean, it's all muscle, right? Well, here's the thing. It's all greasy muscle. So I don't know if you guys, I know that, um, Patrick, you, you've had a lot of venison and wild meat. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't know what you Anton, but there's some, I haven't had beer like that. Well, bear sure. is greasy. Now here's the best part. Here's the best part of it. You can go look this up in, uh, on, online. And I love how we started with Caulfield. Now we're talking about bears. But um, <laughs> if they eat enough berries, they're actually um, marinating themselves. I'm not even yeah. joking. Like if they're in a berry patch, if they're in like a blueberry patch for three weeks and you, you, you shoot them, which we use a crossbow to do, um, they taste like berries. <laughs> it's like this greasy, but it's very greasy. Any hunter will tell you bear is very, very greasy. Um, me was more the challenge of, uh, of hunting it with a, with a, a crossbow that was, you know, you can kill anything with a gun from a mile away. I just wanted to see if I could take it out. And I know, again, people will say, oh, it's, you know, terrible, blah, blah, blah. You hunted an animal. And I, I understand that. However, right now, um, there is an excess of bears in our forests. So this is all approved, um, maybe not by PETA, but, um, I'll take the out a bear. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll just say it this way. I, 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 
I think I love animals more than uh, some other people that talk about how much they love animals. I, I, what I, what I kill, I eat, I eat every little part of it and the rest goes to a uh, donation for shelters. So it's uh, every piece of the animal gets used. Indeed. Going back to coffee a saint, a little, Mark. Mark. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm such a saint for killing a, <laughs> for killing a wild animal and then, and then giving it away. Uh, Going back to Caulfield, though. Um, oh, let's talk about hunting. So what do you guys hunt? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, grouse, actually, mostly. Yeah? yeah. See, that, that, so that would be like our perdrix there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and uh, I'm, I'm still, my aim for the next two winters will be to get a capicali. What's a capicali? Uh, I'll show you. I don't know what it's called. In, Hold on. In... I was thinking capybara. I'm like, oh, you're getting a capybara? Are you going to hunt it? Cap- well, we have it in Sweden. <laughs> Apparently, Capicali, is it is it like a like a little deer? No, it's the big uh, big black forest hen, more like a turkey size. Oh, okay, okay. So is it like a just pheasant? Quite... No. Yeah, okay. Because there's pheasants, there's yeah. grouse as well. But here, um, grouse opens in uh, in about two weeks actually, and there's this place famous for it. Um, it's called Matawa. It's not Ottawa. It's Matawa. Is it and, a famous uh, anyway... grouse? You mean? Well, no, it's just a place where everyone goes. It's called Matawa Days. Everyone goes, gets drunk, dances to a statue of this guy called Big Joe Mofferat, who is actually French. His name is Gros Joe Mofferat, who is just this guy who fought with the English. And then they kill birds. So it's a very Ontario way of doing things. Is you get uh-huh. drunk, you, you celebrate a guy, and then you kill some birds. We'll stop swearing from here on in. So you were asking about Cole Caulfield, right, uh, Patrick? Yeah, let's go back. Cole Caulfield. <laughs> <laughs> Um, your interview, you said he's a hockey nerd, and, and I've, I've come across that with some of the different uh, players I've interviewed as well. They, they really go deep into hockey, and it doesn't really matter which league they are, are looking at. They're looking at certain skilled players that they like to yeah. watch. And, and did Kaufman mention which kind of players he's looking at? Is it shooters? Yeah. Is it playmakers? Is it shooters? Now, what I found so fascinating, um, now this was, I mean, this is at the beginning of the year. So much has happened since then. I mean, he went on to obviously Hobie Baker, you know, um, they won the Big Ten, a uh, bit of a disappointing elimination in the um, the finals. But then he went, you know, NCAA, World Junior Medal, Stanley Cup uh, final, you know, so much has happened since then. But what he said before is that he said, listen, I'm not going to score in the NHL with this shot. Um, I need to, I need to, uh, uh, you know, improve it so it beats NHL player, uh, NHL goalies. And when he said he looked at guys like Austin Matthews, and we had a in-depth conversation about Matthews. And what what Caulfield said here is because I always found it fascinating. This is the new breed of shooters, and it's going to become normal in a little bit. But for now, it's those guys that have the Matthews ability to drag the shot, um, like three inches max. But what that does is for any nerds out there is you're obviously changing the angle of attack significantly, right? And that makes life hell on goaltenders because their brain is, um, you know, as muscle memory at this point, you know that if a guy's shooting from a certain angle, you have to put yourself in a certain position, but he's masking that. And what I was talking about the hands, I'm like, it's the hands, it's the hands. And he's like, look at his feet, look at Austin Matthews feet. And then I started looking at Austin Matthews feet. And this is coffee. Let's tell me this is like, it's all in there. And you notice he does shift his feet. He opens it up to give a, you know, a feint to look like he's going to shoot then closes it down a little bit, readjusts and opens again to have that power off the back foot. It's fascinating. And that's the kind of guy that Caulfield, um, has been looking at and, and even a guy like Joe Pavelski um, who, who some people might be thinking like, why were you even talking about Joe Pavelski? But he's one of the most underrated 
hockey players or goal scorers we've had in a little while. Like this guy, you know, for a while, he was putting up 40 goals almost every year. You know, he was getting up to 37, 38. So that's another guy that uh, he emulates. And I think soon, the crazy part is, I bet you in two, three years, we're going to have guys talking about emulating Cole Caulfield. But for now, I think if you're going to take someone's shot, Austin Matthews' shot, I mean, you can't repeat, Connor, uh, Connor McDavid does it on pure godlike talent, right? Like his mother was Athena and his father was Zeus. But Austin Matthews, it, it, it's actually, there's a lot of technique involved. And um, that is more or less who he's emulating, along with a few other guys. But what he said, he said, I'm watching how they're beating NHL goalies and I want to beat NHL goalies like they are. So he goes into practice uh, with his, um, I forget the name of the goalie, the Wisconsin goalie, um, Rabbi. Anyways, and uh, they, they practiced and practiced and practiced those shots. And it was, it was Rabbi Bedouin, actually, Bedouin. And um, he'd always ask him, like, how can I beat you better? How can I score on you better? And he kind of basically tweaked his shot. But all this to say is that Cole Caulfield watches the best. He emulates the best. He practices harder than anyone else I know. And he's never going to, he's never going to be satisfied with where he is. That's what I love about him. He's so focused on becoming elite um, that not only does he embrace the pressure, which, you know, I love that to him. He always says pressure is a privilege, but he's got the talent and the drive and the sustainability to get there. And when I say sustainability, I mean like, guys, I don't want to compare him to the best in the world, but you know, you talk about, let's say a guy like um, Dennis Bergkamp, who would, you know, one of my favorite, uh, football players of all time. I mean, the reason he was so good is that he practiced, 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 right? You talk about Tom Brady. The reason he's so good is he practiced, he never stopped, you know? Same thing with Mario Lemieux until, you know, the cancer in the back, but he still worked harder than anyone else. And I think that's something that uh, Cole Caulfield has in him. He's not a legend, but man, does he have all the right tools and the right mental approach to become a legend if uh, if the cards fall right for him. I have so many things to, 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 to break down in this In, for in for my three-minute, five-minute rant there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but first and foremost, I think in, in order to, to become great, you need to watch the great and you need to have a little bit of yeah. OCD or, 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 or being that um, dialed in on certain things. One of the yeah. best movies I've watched recently, and, and recently being two years, um, is Richie McCaw's movie, Chasing Great. It's about the, the old black legend And the captain for the All Blacks, the, the New Zealand rugby team. And before oh, yeah, yeah, each yeah. game, he sits down with his game diary, more or less, and, and writes down, we're playing in this field. Uh, the corner here is a little bit wet. And we're playing with this ref. The ref yeah. is known for taking penalties or, or calling this, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And, and, you know, he goes through his game already and he knows what to aim for and where, what he can get away with and... and what he has to look out for before every game the day before and writes it down. And that's, that, that's, and I think you'll find that trait and obviously you say a little more in coaches, but especially in the football grades, like let's say Sir Alex Ferguson or even uh, Arsene Wenger, you know, for the longest time, that's what they did. They, they had all this knowledge, you know, that vault of knowledge and that's, it gave them a slight advantage, but that's what it comes down to, right? slight advantages so you, you that's how you become the best it's there's no other way and you know what it takes so much work though you know the guy that's putting all this for the all all blacks that took a lot of work man that took like a lot of work and i don't think not not everyone's willing to do it so um yeah that's what no, that does quite well and if you do that for sports you're going to be able to do it in 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 business or, or whatnot so you're going to succeed exactly. in whatever you, you you go for in life anyway yeah um, and i think one of the biggest things that plagues a lot of young players is that 
Listen, if you got to, if you got drafted in the first round, you're a damn good player. You've been the best player on your team your entire life. You've gotten every single minute. You've gotten every single power play. You've got all the best line mates. Your dad was probably your coach for about 10 years. And then you hit the NHL and you realize, holy, I was almost swore there. Holy, holy shenanigans. Holy shnikes. I'm not that good. Like, oh, it's, you know, it's kind of like if you're the smartest kid in your class and you go to high school, eh, you're getting there and you go to university, you realize I'm not the smartest kid anymore. So it takes that level of effort. Caulfield is already the best at every level and he wants to go up that next month. So I think that's something that a lot of young guys that have coasted on their talent. Yeah, but don't you, yeah, don't you think he, because he's always been the shortest guy, he's always been the guy that people say like, oh, well, I mean, you won't make it on the next level because then you're going to be too small. You're going to be, and you will have to find something else to do basically on the Mm -hmm. ice or like even, even, you know, just to be a hockey player at high level. Um, I think he's always had that chip on his shoulder just because of that. So every time that when he has moved up a level, I think that he has kind of known that he needed to improve. If we compare him to like another Canadian's prospect, for example, we we had a a podcast about Joshua Roy, for example, who was selected in this last draft. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was the first pick of the Q draft uh, 2019, obviously. And, um, it's, I think it's more difficult when you've always been the star and you have everything going for you and you have the right size and you have the, like everything yeah. looks great. You are kind of the quarterback of the high school football team, right? You have the size. You exactly, have Exactly, like, yeah. Yeah, but if you're 5'7 and you're a hockey player, everyone is always going to say like, well, you are not going to make it at the next level. And you therefore, you always have that chip on the sh- your shoulder and you always have the effort to compete if you want to make it. I think yeah. Alex Debrinket would probably say the same thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, when it comes to Caulfield, he's gotten that thrown in his face constantly, right? Because it, it hasn't just been a matter of like, you know, obviously you're too small, blah, blah, blah. This kid's always been able to score. But then remember everyone's saying it's because of Hughes that he scored? Yeah. Like it's the yeah. only reason was because of Hughes. And then right away he started scoring without Hughes. And like, wow, he can only score in the power play. Or right away he started scoring even strength goals. Well, now it's because his schedule is too easy. And he went out and he beat a bunch of really good teams. He dominated the AHL, dominated the NHL. Yeah, I think that's part of it too. He will never say that. He'll never admit it. And I've asked, I've tried to pull that out of him. Like, are you trying to prove the doubters wrong? And he's more in the mentality. And I love this. It's small, small difference, but it makes all the difference is that he doesn't want to prove everyone else wrong. He wants to prove the Canadians right for you know because to him that is the the ultimate thing is that they showed some faith in him so he's rewarding them um and i think what what i also love in his case is that they were gonna slow play him i don't know you guys saw in the playoffs they're gonna slow play him like they do everyone else and you know what that's kind of normal but um he forced their hands and to force a club like the canadians i think takes a ridiculous amount of talent and uh, it takes a certain kind of personality too. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you, Anton. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys, again, have never faced a challenge. And when it comes down to them, it's really rough to, to deal, deal with it. But uh, Cole it's Coffee difficult to just... start. Like, you know, if you've been the star and then start well, to have here, challenges when you're 18. Say, it's yeah. okay. It's akin to, and I'm going to use myself as an example. I was always really smart in school growing up, obviously got lucky because I had, two very intelligent parents. So I acquired a lot of decent DNA in the, um, uh, you know, in the IQ department, which is, you know, obviously a terrible test, but you know, you got tested young when you're a kid and you got put in all these advanced classes and I aced them my entire life. I aced them. I didn't have to try my entire life. I didn't have to try high school. Didn't have to try, skipped all my classes, literally like 90% of my classes got into universities, full scholarships, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized 
the biggest, biggest issue here was that I never learned how to try. It's great to be the best at something your entire life and coast off natural talent. But unless you're like top 1% in the world, which very few people are, um, it's actually not a boon to be naturally good. You never learn how to take those steps. And then when those steps come, you don't, you're so afraid to actually step up. I'm like, I, 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 I dropped out of university. You know, I was like, I have no idea how, what to do here. I'm not ready. I, I got through my intelligence. Everyone always told me I was smart, but mm-hmm. never told me I had to try. And then once you start trying, then you actually have to reset it at the beginning. So I think that's one of the issues that happens with a lot of these guys is that they never had to try. They never had to try. And then life slaps you down life. You know, it's a nice little reminder. Hey buddy, like we're, we're, we're putting all the tools together. So you're no longer that big fish in a small pool. You're, you're a minnow. You're a minnow in an ocean. Good luck trying to survive. And and when it comes to hockey, a lot of these guys, they're, you know, I think it's very smart to talk about it in the sense that it's an ocean because even the guys that get drafted, let's say what, 270 or, or whatever, there's still another thousand guys who are fighting for those jobs with those other prospects. So uh, yeah, having to learn how to try hard, even if you have the talent is one of the best things that you can do. And I think, like you said, that helped Caulfield advance to the next level. I, I can only agree with, with your experience, uh, Mark, because uh, I, I've, I never had to study. Uh, nope, me neither. I, I, I passed all the tests. I, I yeah. never needed anything more than a pass anyway, except for yeah. a few courses at university, which I really, really wanted to, to ace, and I aced them. And then I got yeah. into to a PhD program at University College London, which is one of the top 20 universities in the world. And yeah. Uh, It's a reality check. I didn't know how to study. <laughs> so, neither so, did I. I didn't know how to study either. And then that's, again, that's the curse of being gifted I'll, I'll or bring or... it back. Yeah. And, and again, it's going to sound so arrogant. Um, I'm not trying to, I'm saying that I like screwed up because of this, because I did never learn to work. I'm not trying to say that I like, I'm so smart. I'm in, in a sense, I was actually pretty stupid because I assumed that I could just coast my intelligence my whole life. Um, and then life bitch slapped me real well. So a lot of these guys, that's that, that realization. Um, a lot of them fall to the wayside. Cole Caulfield will never fall to the wayside because he's obsessed with getting better. Even though he had the best shot outside of the NHL. And right now, I'd argue, guys, top five shot in the NHL right now, easily. He's still going to, right now, he's working on making it better. He doesn't want it to be top five. He wants it to be, you know, to to quote KRS one, um, number one, two, three, four, and five. You know, that's what Cole Caulfield wants. And and obviously, I need to push out also the, the fact that you mentioned also, Matthews, and I'm, I'm, I've had the privilege when he played in Europe, and it was my first assignment in in, in, uh, in for Ice Prize. Prize, really, in, in Europe. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and when it was uh, Zurich, right? Yeah, which I went to Zurich to see Martin Rewi and, and also Matthews because he was playing there, and he scored two goals more or less from the same angle. I was sitting straight from his from the puck into the into the. It doesn't open look like he tries, with, eh? And and it was he made it look so simple. That's why I asked Caulfield once. I'm like, hey, I'm not trying to insult you, but it doesn't look like you're trying. Him and uh, I don't know if you watch Sean Farrell play for the USHL uh, Chicago Steel. Um, they don't try. And I'm like, explain that to me. And he's like, what do you mean? Obviously, I'm trying. Like, he took it a little, he didn't take it harsh, but he's like, well, obviously, I'm trying. I'm like, I know that, but it looks like you're only giving 20% power. And he's like, well, if I would up that to 90% power, I would lose 30% accuracy you know i would lose 40 percent speed of release um and therefore my goals would go in 20 you know like i was like oh shit okay so that's actually part of it um you know this idea that you need to whip it if you just use a physics of first of all these sticks are you know it's space engineering um so that's why it looks like they're not trying they could they could force it a little harder 
But these guys know that the sweet spot isn't necessarily at 100% power. And that's something Cole Caulfield is quite aware of. And Don't I think Shea Weber that. that. Well, that's a different generation, right? Yeah. You know, uh, that generation, they grew up playing with wooden sticks because I know it's my generation. You know, <laughs> it's funny because I'm always talking about oh, Shea Weber is such an old man. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm older than him. But uh, they literally, we grew up with Sherwoods. And I'll tell you right now, have you guys ever, like, I don't want to sound like too much of an old man, but have you guys ever skated around with a wooden stick? Yeah. No. No. The, the only okay, like, like the good old that. Sherwood there, like a CCM, like lumber there. No? Yeah. No. I have. Patrick has, and I'll tell you right now, it gr- it grows your arm muscles. I'll tell you that right now. Um, uh, they're better for backhands. They're, they weigh a thousand pounds and they, 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 they made hockey a lot less fun, but um that's why, you know, he did grow up with a whole different... That's why I'm so excited to see the new generation of kids. I think when I see Sean Farrell take that shot, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to become standard. It reminds me of when Josh St. Pierre jumped into MMA and he was the first hybrid fighter. You know, he was destroying wrestlers. He was destroying boxers. He was destroying um, uh, jujitsu, you know, or, or, and there weren't that many martial arts that were in, in UFC back then. But because he was the first hybrid and then 10 years later, you realize, oh crap, like... He was just the first. It wasn't that he was that good of an athlete. He was like, I mean, arguably one of the best athletes of all time uh, for the men. Uh, Canadian women are generally much better at sports. But what happened was he was just one of the first, right? So then now all the new fighters have that hybrid style. And I think we're going to be seeing that with um, hockey players. These kids are watching Austin Matthew. Like when, when, when we were coming into the league or a 20 year old was coming into the league 20 years ago, they were talking about guys that were 38. Now when guys come into the league at the draft, they're already talking about Caulfield. They're talking about like, Oh, I watched Mitch Marner. You know, I'm like, well, what? Or at the dra- you know how many guys mentioned Nick Suzuki as their favorite player at the draft like that? Like Nick Suzuki, can he, I don't, he can just, just, just rent a car in, in Nevada. Like that's new, brand new. And these guys that got drafted five years younger than him, not even three years younger are saying. And they could be um, his little brother basically. Like yeah, his exactly. little brother they're is saying, literally one year older than the guys who were drafted now, or like exactly. Two, two they're saying ago. I grew up watching him. I grew yeah. up watching him. So now I think that the younger guys have a little bit of an appreciation. But so we're going to be seeing a lot more of those elite shots. I think uh, coming up, it's not going to be guys just like Caulfield and Matthews. You're going to be seeing it from a lot of players. But it's just so fascinating what you were talking about before as well uh, about Caulfield always wanting to get better in like. You know, it's not just his shot. Now, I remember like hearing last Skating. spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like hearing last spring, for example, that well, he wasn't maybe he wanted to compete on the NHL level already after his freshman season, obviously, just because of course he he would probably have been ready already last year. But the Canadians wanted to like make him take his time and you know not yeah. rush him into anything and everything. So he had to go back to a considerably worse Badgers team where he didn't have Alex Turcotte, where he didn't have like a lot of the guys who he was playing with the year before. Uh, But just the responsibility he took for that team and how he thrived in that setting after, you know, kind of a, maybe a little bit slower start, but then he just like, he felt so much more complete as a player after that year when he was actually coming over to the Canadians, because like he was, he was so, he was pissed about that year too. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, hey, by the yeah. way, I was so excited. I'm like, Hey man, you won all these awards as a rookie. You set all these records. And he's like, I don't care. We yeah. finished last in our division. And that's, yeah. yeah, that's why he was so, you know, and I think we talk about things that are tangible and tangible, but his desire to want to win for his team is something that I think is contagious. We can't put a value on it, but don't tell me when you're around a guy like Cole Caulfield, that's 20 years old, that's one everywhere he's gone. He's so excited to like every minute of ice time to him is gold. 
you could see it in the pregame. He was like their emotional support Hobie Baker winner, you know, like mm. they, they, he was so excited. And that is contagious. I've sent, I, I talked to a lot of players and a lot of player wives and they're like, man, they love being around Cole Caulfield. Like this mm. guy is just such an, a ball of positive energy and they want to be better just to, you know, just to make it better for Cole Caulfield. So it's not just him that he's improving. I think it improves everyone around him. Looking at, at obviously the playoff run and, and we all know the, the goals he scored there, but, but what are reasonable expectations for him going forward? Well, I think one of the things we saw obviously in the playoffs, and, and again, we, just to go back to what Anton, Anton was saying, this is another thing he wanted to improve was his defense. Um, you know, we saw a guy there that and he knew, he's like, I don't care how many goals I scored. I'm going to get dumped out of the NHL if I can't play defense. And he's right. He's right. It might not be the right way to approach coaching but he's right as a player he's smart enough to recognize that and also one of the things that he really worked on but he was never that bad okay first of all i'm gonna say two things that people are saying he can't be a playmaker and he can't skate now the skating thing became such a like it was first oh he can't you know guys you guys know how it goes with the mm-hmm. with the rumors eh, around draft is like okay you can't he's not a great skater two weeks later oh he can't skate three weeks later like this guy's a peg leg pirate that roams the open seas and steals booty from privateer is there you know what i mean like he's missing a leg essentially and we saw he's not the best skater in the world but he's so elusive that's one of the things we saw in the playoffs this little bugger is elusive he's he's you know it it, 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 i don't know how to describe it but holy it's like watching a pigeon walk right under a bus uh, you know a bus that's turning in downtown there but the pigeons you look look this up they see life and like they see about 10,000 frames a, a second well maybe not 10,000 but they see life in slow motion so it's easier for them to deke in and around those tires we think oh my god they're gonna get crushed they move out of the way every time cole caulfield has some of that same ability except for the the, the buses are big lumber, lumbering defensemen trying to hit him he's that little pigeon on the ice that sees everything a little faster and he's just so elusive we saw it he's hard to hit but the biggest thing for me in the playoffs was the playmaking, right, guys? Like, I mean, he was more of a playmaker than a goal scorer. Now, he got unlucky. He should have scored probably two to three more goals if we're not, not even counting posts. But, man, I think the most amazing thing about his playoff run was him announcing to the world, like, I'm not just a goal scorer. I'm not just a goal scorer. And this is something that his coach um, told me a while ago. I, I completely forget. It was for the U.S. national development team. I spoke to him. Um, what was his name? Uh, da, 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 da. Anyways, and he's saying, you know, don't uh, don't count this guy. Um, oh, yeah, John Roblowski. He's like, this kid is a playmaker. Like, he's like, Hughes took all the attention. He's like, I would say right now, Caulfield's as good of a playmaker as Hughes is. And I was like, really? Can I quote you on that? He's like, no, you cannot. But he's like, he's like watch him in the NHL. He's so smart that he knows his pass opens up lanes. That oh, By the way, Patrick, I see you tweeting right now. Um, he's so smart that he opens up lanes and he can use that to his advantage and uh, become an elite playmaker. And I think we saw, to me, that's the biggest, most shocking, well, not shocking, but encouraging thing was, uh, was his playmaking. Um, yeah, yeah, you mentioned me tweeting, so, so everyone knows what I was tweeting about. It's actually that Sweden just beat Spain in football. So, yeah. <laughs> tisk, tisk, tisk. What can I say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes things happen, and that shouldn't happen. And, and this is probably one well, of them. At what level, though? At what level did they be? It's the world qualifiers. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But Spain's well, it's old news. When when this comes out, it's old news, and everyone will already know that Sweden is a top team in the world in football. Oh, Obviously, and the well, question also, but... is only when which team are we going to play in the final now? That's the only thing that matters. Mm. Well, and don't forget, you know what's pretty crazy here? And I love how we're going to get off 
off topic, but Canada is still in the running to qualify for the like. The, the, you mean the Canadian of... women are, are 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 about to qualify for the men, right? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny because we see that. What's the name of that uh, the the rapist there that uh, Man United signed there, Ronaldo? You know, everyone's talking about oh, highest highest goal scorer. Um, yeah, no, uh, highest goal scorer just finally won her gold medal. And I'll tell you what what, what I found so fascinating here is that I I, like, I don't know about this, Mark. I'm having hearing that there's oh. some connection problems. Can't hear you. Can you not hear me? I was joking because you beat Sweden, obviously. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. Well. Um, <laughs> I guess you shouldn't have tackled Sinclair. Actually, I think she might have gone down a little bit. But what was so cool there was that these the girls that scored the goals all grew up watching Sinclair. Like, imagine having that kind of impact. Uh, you know, I think I think I think you could say right right now, right up there with Marta. Uh, you know, you could probably even say she's better than Marta. I, uh, uh, hard to say. Either way, Sinclair has to be recognized as. The, 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 I'm going to defend Marta here on the basis that what she had to struggle in respect from the Brazilian man. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Oh. Oh my God. Now, you know, she, and she was kind of setting the stage. I wouldn't say before Sinclair, but um, no, you're absolutely right, and especially uh, in, in in South America where there's a little more bravado. Marta's still younger, I believe. Um, but no, no, she was better at at a certain age than Sinclair was. But I'll say this right now, um, you know, when we talk about the best players, we should be saying they're the Marta of this or the the Sinclair of this. You know what I mean? As opposed to saying um obviously they're great individuals both of them we don't have to yeah absolutely but they should be recognized as amongst the best athletes of all time you know that's the way i would look at it but anyhow anyhow let's get back to let's get back to talking about another guy that maybe maybe one day will perhaps be recognized at christine sinclair level or marie-philippe Poulain level maybe and that's cole caulfield you you touched on the um on on the on the sign where there's room for improvement but, but one of the questions is really the chemistry is found with Nick Suzuki. Um, is he is he like is that going to be the huge for, for, for the foreseeable future or, or will they drive each other further and, and, and more towards the top? Well, yeah, there's always it's, it's going to be mutually beneficial for for those two. Um, I think when we look at the NHL now, this idea of having like the the when there was Brendan Gallagher and Tatar and then it was a great, it was a great trio, as we'd say in French, a, a really nice combination of players. But in reality, there's more duos in the NHL. Um, you know, and, and if you go way back, way back, you know, even though let's say Yeri Curry, Wayne Gretzky type of thing, there's always been duos in the NHL, you know, Lemire, Jagger, and then you can throw in a third. And I think that's kind of what you're going to get here with, uh, with Caulfield and Suzuki uh, is it, just a power duo. And, Listen, there's a reason all these players, it's not just Caulfield that loves playing with Suzuki. Everyone play, loves playing with Suzuki because he's just so darn smart. I won't say that Caulfield is as smart as him. However, Caulfield, I think he doesn't get enough credit, is also a very smart player. And if he wasn't, he wouldn't get along well chemistry-wise with Nick Suzuki. You know, they always say it's hard to play with really good players. I don't think it is if you're a smart player. I don't necessarily think you need the talent level to play with a guy like Sidney Crosby, but you have to have the processor you know, you have to have that computer between your, your your two ears that processes everything at a high level. That way you can anticipate. I think those two anticipate themselves at an elite level, and that's what makes them so good. Also, they have fun playing together. But the chemistry, in my mind, is built on intelligence more than skill. 
when it comes was, to... I was going to ask, because th- that was an interesting take of you. Do you think that's the problem that the Oilers have had with McDavid for years, that they can't find anyone who can process the game the way that he does? Are, so they can... is, that, are you try- is, that a, is that a subtle jab at uh, Zach Cassian? Or... No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, a subtle, just a subtle All right, job. Milan Lucic or, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, but I was just going to say, like, because, like, as you say it, like, you don't have to have the talent level, but you have to have, have to like, the enough. process speed and you have to be <laughs> smart enough. And I'm just wondering, like, because the Oilers have just thrown wingers at wow. McDavid and Drysdale, And it's just like, it doesn't stick. It doesn't work really. And I'm just wondering like if the I Canadians so. have just hit the, hit the, you know, the proper ignition here with, uh, with Suzuki and Caulfield coming through well, uh, basically at the same time. I'd love to see Yamamoto play a little bit with McDavid, but you know, I'm mm. looking at their stats. Do you guys know who their highest scoring winger was last year? Uh, yes. Yeah. Wow. I was going to ask if it was James Neal. Right. Um, no, I think I think that's obviously I think when it comes down to it. And um, for the most part, <clears throat> the Canadians tend to draft intelligent players. And I think that's one of the assets that I think scouts are going to be looking for more and more. And it's obviously very difficult to. I asked recently because I was talking to Riley Kidney's coach, Mario Zurashi, and I'm like, what, what does that mean when you talk about hockey IQ? What does that mean? And he's like, well, when it comes down to it, it's, you know, it, let's say you're driving down a street. Now, this, is, this isn't what he says. This is how I interpret it. You're driving down the street. Your brain sees about 10,000 signs, right? Telling you what to do at all times. And your brain is processing. We don't realize it, but our brains are amazing computers. They're processing at all times. There's a reason when we go to bed that we, we stay up. It's because we finally stop staring at a screen for a minute. And it gives our chance to our brain to actually like, okay, what, what just happened all, all day? You know, our brain is just catching up and processing. Now, when it comes down to a guy like Raleigh Kidney, I said, what makes him smart? And he says, well, you know, uh, he makes the right decisions all the time. That's what it is, is that they can trust him. Okay, not all the time, but like a 90%, which is huge. Because when it comes down to hockey, that's it, all it is, is that it's the variables. Um, you know, none of them are, uh, what's the word for a constant? None of them are constants. So what he's saying is obviously it's anticipation. It's being able to know, you know, what I should do right in the decision, but it's making high level decisions that pay off more than, you know, more than, uh, more than not. And that I think obviously Connor McDavid is just a freak of nature. Like, I don't know if he, obviously he's super smart, but it's hard to tell, like if it's just intelligence. However, I would look at it this way. If you go back, uh, no offense to Philip Broberg, but um, if the Oilers who had the opportunity to draft Caulfield would have drafted him, I think he, 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 I I honestly think he could get to a hundred goals playing with, with Connor Uh, McDavid. uh, I know, uh, I know that's crazy to say. But I'll if there's honest. one guy that could do it, it would be Connor McDavid and Cole Caulfield. Think of that. Think of those two together. Yeah. I, I'll yeah, be honest. I'm, I'm one of the guys that are very low on Broberg, though. So you, you, you Well, I remember I, I spoke to some Swedish people. I'm like, what about Broberg? And they're like, classic North Americans overrating. So like, I've noticed when I speak to a lot of people from, in Sweden, they're like, no, 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 don't, not him. Don't, don't draft him. No, 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 no. Like, I know you guys yeah. love coming in and getting super excited about some of our prospects, but they're like, no, no, don't touch Broberg. Um, all that to be said is that right now the Oilers could have Cole Caulfield for free yeah. playing on for not like playing on an entry level contract with Connor McDavid. Wouldn't that be yeah. crazy? It would honestly wouldn't like, I bet you he could get 80 goals, right? Like I know a hundred sounds like a lot, but uh, 82 goals. Yeah. yeah. You could get one a game. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be impossible. That's the thing. Like, I mean, it, it just sounds like, I mean, it's, it would be a lethal combination. And we saw the kind of goal scoring numbers that, yeah, it was at USNTDP level and everything, but we saw the kind of goals that Caulfield put up with Jack Hughes as a partner. Right? Who's, who's like, he's okay. 
Yeah, but... he's okay. And we've se- we've not seen Jack Hughes perform at an admirable level at the NHL yet. If he had, <laughs> like, if, he had, now if he only has... had a Caulfield day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. Like, I, I started to wonder, like, in the first season when when Jack Hughes wasn't performing up to par in the uh, in the NHL. Obviously, you know, it's normal as a rookie coming in and yeah. struggling, and yeah, everyone. Yeah, he kind wasn't of like... elite like a McDavid or a Matthews, right? No, 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 exactly. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. there was all this discussion about, you know, uh, was he one going to go fa- first, or was it going to go be uh, Capocacco? Um, and then you saw both of them struggling. Yeah. And Paco actually Kirby Dodd especially kind of, really struggled. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But then I was just like, I started to think like, well, what if we've just been wrong all this time? What if it's been Cole Caulfield actually driving the line and Jack Hughes needing someone like Caulfield on the line? Because we always right? assume that the winger needs the center to produce. But what if the center actually needs the winger who actually understands him in in such a way that he can but i mean if cole caulfield is open and he can score then there is always someone that jack hughes can pass and that's the thing like you know we we always kind of over i wouldn't say overvalue but you know we we tend to want to value centers higher at all yeah times. absolutely absolutely but when it comes to duos you need that okay one thing that i'll say here and i i'd love to go through my records and go find it because I was working for a former employer at the time, but when Cole Caulfield got drafted, John Roblowski, who I don't know if you guys remember correctly, but um, the U.S. National Development Squad, like they they had something like twelve guys going the first round. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was it was ridiculous. Caulfield was like number six or seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Like he came right after Cam York. There, remember, yeah, remember the only thing like, I remember from that draft is the Philadelphia fans thinking they're getting Caulfield. And then, and then, yeah, from the U.S. National Development, yeah, they're like, woo, woo, life is great. They're like, uh, Cam York. Like, oh, oh, was it? Yeah, it was Cam York right before. And then yeah. right before, and then there was Spencer Knight before that. There was Matthew Bolton, yeah. who I think is going to be yeah. really good. There was Zegras, who's also going to be very good. So got, eh, not that great. And obviously, Jack Hughes. All this to say, John Roblowski totally interrupted our scrum, which a lot of uh, the uptight, uh, like, uh, update journalists who self-important journalists who a lot of them are colleagues and i'll tell this to their face they think they're way too important for this they were so pissed off that this guy was trying to push through and we were about to witness one of the most amazing moments is that he just grabbed caulfield and he hugged him so hard he's like i'm so fucking happy for- oh sorry i'm so bleeping happy for you man like you're gonna be a star is what he just told me he's like i'm so and he didn't do this for anyone else but he, he went right through after all his guys got drafted went straight to cole caulfield so i being you know, I didn't want to fight with the crowd to ask these terrible questions about co- to Caulfield, you know, the generic stuff, like how long are you going to, how long will it be until you learn French, that kind of garbage. So I went to John Roblowski and I'm like, why were you so happy? He's like, watch him. He's going to be the best of the bunch, man. He's going to be the best of the bunch. I'm telling you right now. I'm like, yeah, but he needs a guy like Hughes, eh? And he looks at me, he's like, well, I'll tell you this right now. Go look at those goals and tell me who was more important in all of them. I'll tell you right now, more than 50% of the time, Cole Caulfield started those plays. Yes, Hughes did the last pass, but Caulfield was the one that starts. He said he doesn't just finish the plays. He starts the plays. You need a guy in the middle to help that. But Cole Caulfield is not just a goal scorer. He drives the offense. And uh, I think that's why Warblowski was so happy to see him go top 15 because he knew this kid has all the potential in the world. Like, And it's been hard, right? We don't want to be too excited about him, but man. Like, he makes it difficult for us not to be excited. You know what I mean? Yeah, he didn't so, just force the Habs to put him in the lineup in the playoffs, which is unheard of. I mean, we saw what happened to Romanov, and I was okay with that. That's normal for guys that age. But right now, like, you know, maybe Zegras has a chance, Trevor Zegras, but the Calder trophy, people are giving it to him already, and it's it's not 
because they're exaggerating. Like this kid has been dominant and his underlying numbers fantastic as well. But it's also, it's also so fun because I remember draft night, 2019 and, um, my friend was visiting me in Rome at the time and he's a Rangers fan and they had the second overall pick. And he was really excited about that because they were going to get use or Kako. And then they got Kako and, you know, he was happy about that. But then, you know, I started saying like, what if Cole Caulfield drops to 15 where Montreal was going to pick? Right. And he was just like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And it was just like, you know, pick after pick went by and Broberg went and, and uh, Victor Soderstrom went and Boldy went and, and Spencer hey, Knight on, went and all of a sudden winner next year went because it's going to be more exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say Cider, but he's, yeah. he's pretty darn good. But Sukkut, yeah, in my opinion, Sukkut went fifth. And you're like, what's going on here? Yeah, but it, it were a lot of surprises. We weren't expecting Kirby Doc to go at three. Then he, he's been great. Like I was afterwards. expecting Byr- Byram to maybe go at three. But yeah, yeah I was exactly. expecting Turco to go at three. But, you know, that was a miscalculation. Um, but then it was just like when the Canadians got Caulfield at 15 and like, I was expecting them as well to maybe wanting Cam York. If they had the selection of Cam York, or I think Cole they might've gone for York. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like they wanted a defense. And also prospect. let's keep this in mind, Anton, sorry to cut you off, but players were or fans. And I think management were kind of sick of picking that young, small guy that was skilled. They wanted, you know what I mean? But you just couldn't like, I think the Habs it's because they fell in his lap. Ideally, I don't know if they wanted a Caulfield because, again, yeah, he's small. And the Habs had a bit of a size issue and a bit of a size insecurity. That being but, said, um, I mean, you know, he stood taller than almost everyone in the playoffs. And I think that says a lot about Cole Caulfield. Yeah, but that was the fun thing as well. When when I sat there, like, on draft night, I think I was the happier of us, too. He had, like, my friend had just, you know, got the second pick in the draft and everything. But, like, it just felt yeah. like such a... Uh, such a blessing to get that kind of a goal scorer who had just put, put up seven, yeah, at 72 goals. And just like, this is only because he's five, seven, obviously. But then we had just saw, uh, we had just seen Alex Dabrinka put up huge numbers in, in, uh, in Chicago as well. So it's just like, well, you know, like, and obviously you couldn't know, but it was just, the feeling was just there that, well, this yeah. could actually be something special because <laughs> at 50, normally, like who, who went to 15? Normally you year? get, you get like a 50% shot of him being an okay NHL player at 15. Exactly. You know, like, maybe, maybe that's high, probably. Like high. you can get a Jacob Sporil at 15 or like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah, in yeah. that draft, it was actually, I, I think it was, um, uh barzal who who went to 15 so that was a pretty good pick but yeah but yeah like it's it's normally a crapshoot when you come down to like in the middle of the it's first 50, round 50. And, yeah more exactly. yeah but even if you get 50 50 even if you get like a good nhl player it doesn't normally turn out to be something you know that can be changing for your franchise yeah, it's yeah like exactly whereas, whereas you get a top Cole four Caulfield D, is right? a game breaker he's a game changer exactly. that the canadians have been looking for since guy lafleur I'll make this quite clear. The Canadians have never even, I'll say this even more, and I, I know that I'm hyping, I'm hyping them so much, but Guy Lafleur did not have Cole Caulfield's talent. Obviously, it was a different league, a different era, you know, 50 years ago, really, now if we look at it. Um, but the Canadians have been looking for a guy with this kind of game-breaking talent for the longest time, and he fell into their laps because of everyone else's inability to take advantage of a market inefficiency. I think that's really what uh, it comes I down think, to. You, you, but, but, yeah, we, we speak about this, but you have to give credit to to Detroit that started all of this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.